0: Hello and welcome to The Clavicle, your soon-to-be-favorite podcast brought to you by your soon-to-be-favorite hosts. I'm Munit Ior and this is Safe, my co-host. discussing two main topics the sentiment computer or more precisely replica the application and the second topic which is quite contemporary with today's situation is what happens if people stop spending money so we hope we find all our listeners at a great time And that everybody is staying safe and healthy and safe would you like to start already with your first topic
1: yeah sure thing definitely thank you Mona, for the introduction and um your topic sounds quite interesting so um but let's first start with mine um so for the audience um who are hearing us right now thank you if you've already listened to the first episode and tune in for more and more episodes i hope this one um Um, that you also like this one. So um, we're recording this episode from um, our 10th week of quarantine or social distancing because it's not correct to say quarantine. Um, We are in different countries. I'm in Abu Dhabi and Mono is in Germany. And um, I've actually counted it and this is my 10th week of social distancing where I've not been able to just go out freely and uh, except for like minor chores. So, yeah, depending on when exactly you're hearing us right now, we're recording during the Corona pandemic, which has already started an economic recession, a recession that is um, predicted to be worse than the housing bubble of 2008, um, the recession of 1997 or 98, and actually the worst one by far since the Great Depression. So, although that's not a very happy statement to start with, but... uh, (laughs) So, to why I'm basically mentioning this is that a couple of days ago, I watched um, a Nas Daily's um, video on YouTube uh, on on Facebook. do you are you following Nas daily? Do you know that, dude?
0: Nas daily. I don't think Wait, wait. yeah, from time to time.
1: he's um, he's kind of like, he's up as like um, vlogger, traveler, and who documents all of his travels. and now he's pretty much an influencer. So um, he recently published the video and the dude was calling for people to start saving money. And it's not only the time to, he was saying, it's not only the time to not spend extravagantly, but actually it is a time to not even buy, to not like buy any stocks in the market, which I agree with to a big extent. But also he said, you should not buy that H&M shirt out there that you wanted, which actually like got me thinking, what happens if people stop spending money? (laughs) <laughs> now, everything, everything, whether it's a good or a service, is based on supply and demand. This is the most basic rule of economics. Um, a high demand and low supply causes prices to rise. Um, and on the contrary, a low demand and a big supply will drive the prices down. But if people stop spending money, businesses start lowering the prices of the goods or services in the hopes of re-stimulating the demand, and getting the businesses or like the economy moving. And thing is, if the demand takes a big fail, a big fall, the prices will take a big fall too. Otherwise the business will face bankruptcy. So um, with this lowering of the prices, like lowering the price basically means you are reducing your marginal profits or revenue as a business. And, And when businesses do that, they'll have to lessen their losses. And so many of them will start laying off employees, which is something that is, it's like evident, quite evident that I see right now here within the UAE. And it's, it's actually started happening because according to the IMF, we have already started our recession and um, they do actually refer to, do you know what, uh, what do they, what do they call our recession? Like the one that we're living in right now?
0: The outbreak recession?
1: They're calling it the lockdown. We're oh, all locked.
0: Locked down. okay, yeah. Makes sense,
1: yeah. So, you know what happens after that after having employees being laid off?
0: Wait, 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 before you go any further, I have a question.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: So, there is a difference between a recession and a depression, right? Yes, and we're anticipating this economic downturn to be a recession,
1: yes, yes.
0: meaning. Prices are going to become more expensive, or to become more. Is it is it inf- inf- inflationary or is it deflationary? Uh, I was
1: going to get to that, but you're you're excited. I like that. Um, well, <laughs> okay, then then I'll let you go. Okay, sure. But uh, for how I look at it is that any like uh, with my own understanding, any depression is a recession, but it's just like a very big. Um, um example of a recession it's an economic so So what basically when the businesses start lowering their prices that means they're reducing their marginal profits or their revenues and when businesses do that they'll have to lessen their losses so most of them uh, which is already evident nowadays or like actually it's happening right now many of them will start laying off their employees and you know what happens after that it's actually a recession and the thing is you still did not reach the rock bottom as they call it. These those laid off employees will unquestionably find it harder to pay for non-essential goods. But the thing is they'll also find it hard to pay for the essential ones too. And by essentials, I mean rent, mortgage, insurances, tuition fees for their kids. And believe me, the list could still keep going on and on. And that's what's called the ripple effect. Now, if governments do not or cannot step to recover, and and stimulate the conditions or with like bailing out big businesses that they call the too big to fail and i know so many people are against those too big to fail ones but still if the government does not act and um to kind of recover the the whole thing we will have an economic freefall which is to answer your question earlier this is basically the the depression and Um, uh, yeah go ahead
0: then i have a question with 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 Companies that are too big to fail, if they do fail, perhaps because of an economic downturn or other factors, isn't it an indication that they were being incompetent and that they do not deserve a big stake in the market as they have?
1: Um, see, the whole thing, um, as far as I understand, uh, the whole thing with the too big to fail companies that these are kind of financial organizations that they are actually pretty important to the economy and um, like the government or like the central bank they must do something or step in so that to make sure that they do not um, go bankrupt. The, now back to your question is that so many of those companies um, like the whole it, it's issue with the too big to fail it is very um, kind of a, pol- a political thing because um, governments. It has to do with lobbying and it has to do with politics, because it's not always that the that the institute or the organization that really deserves to get bailed out gets actually bailed out. And um, but again, to to get back to your question, um, when you are in an economic downturn or a recession, it is not necessarily it is it is actually because of the recession that those um, companies are failing or it's, it's not because that they are incompetent. One small example, which is happening right now, are the airlines companies. Most, like so many countries um, right now, they are out their airlines companies. It's not that they are incompetent, but they actually, that's how they work. That's how they generate profit on a daily basis. And every day they would have dozens, hundreds of flights, who knows? So I don't think it has to do a lot with incompetence, but I'm sure this is kind of a political thing because not all of them get
0: bailed out. OK, that makes sense. But with airlines, I wouldn't say they're companies that are too big to fail. Or would you say that?
1: Oh, that, that's, um, well, they are not that big when you compare them to like important banks like the Bank of China or, um, or Deutsche Bank or something but um but i still think these are like these are the kind of companies that the government really needs to bail out because otherwise they will actually cease to exist and these are Mm -hmm. from my understanding like this the kind of companies that incur losses very very rapidly because they kind of rely on daily profits from their daily flights so yeah you're right maybe they are not like as big as other too big to fail um organizations but I still believe like these are like the, one of the prime examples that got bailed out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Makes sense. And um, I wanted also to mention like a real life example. Um, so right now, just like to summarize what we, what we've discussed, you do not spend that much money, um, to buy this H&M, um, t- uh, H&M t-shirt, the plot, the eventually the prices are going to start going down. Eventually the businesses are going to, um, 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 incur some kind of, um, or at least uh, lower their own marginal profits, um, and then they will start laying off employees, which gives us the recession. Now, a real-life example that I I recently heard of could like show you how such a ripple effect could affect um, economies that aren't hit um, that bad by the pandemic. And this example is actually Tunisia. This is um, a country in North Africa that, as far as I know, has not been hit very badly by Corona. Like as far as I know, I think they had like uh, a thousand cases or something. So they're relatively not, not being hit that bad. So my friend's mom, um, she works in a, in a company there and this company provides, it's in Indonesia. Um, it provides supplies for car companies in France and also Volkswagen. So like they, they, they make those, uh, they manufacture electric circuits. Um, and then the car companies in France have been closed for over a month. So there is like almost no activity in those Tunisian companies, despite the fact that there is no work restrictions in Tunisia. And despite the fact that Tunisia is not even being hit that badly by Corona. Do you see how the ripple effect goes from one, um, from one country to another?
0: Definitely.
1: Yeah. So back to the main question, should you buy that H&M t-shirt? I would say definitely yes, because those small individual actions when built up upon each oh. other, they will cause the ripple effect.
0: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: It's just like, you know, when, when this whole pandemic started and people started rushing off to supermarkets and they started hoarding up, hoarding the supplies and, and toilet paper, it's, it's all because of um, individual actions and everyone is kind of contributing by, by doing so. And then when you sum all of those individual actions up, you will have a, a big problem.
0: A big problem.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Um um, well it does not make sense to like to tell investors you should now go buy stocks. Does not make any sense. But it should not reach to the level that you should completely stop spending money. Stop it if you because it's it's just a shirt. Yeah, maybe not maybe don't buy a car right now, maybe don't buy land right now. But those very simple essential or non-essential supplies, I don't think people should stop buying them right now because it's going to make the recession even worse. It's like a cycle.
0: Yeah, the cycle. Yeah. I mean, talking about it somehow makes the problem real in my eyes and in my reality, I guess. Because somehow, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not too aware of what's going on and I can maintain my peace of mind. But that's also mm. not so good.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And that's like that's one of the main reasons why so many com- so many governments out there, even progressive ones like Germany, they want to reopen the economy. Um, like um, where I work, they um, they started announcing that starting June first, everyone is going to go back to the office. And uh, when I check my like social media, so many of my friends who are still um, working in Germany, they were, they already went back to the office. Um, they want to like lessen the um the losses but at the same time i think that this does not make any sense like maybe you tell me what do you think of it because if you if you have people already going back to the office and right now within germany i don't know you had like hundred seventy thousand cases or something and the curve started going down i think it's inevitable that you're going to have a second wave because you still do not have a cure um and you don't have vaccine
0: it's, it's, Definitely, it's like an um, with
1: like um, a house is on fire, which actually I saw it like in a in a meme. <laughs> a house is on fire, and then um, you're telling people, okay, so the fire has already reached its peak. Now you can go back in now, but the house is still on fire. <laughs> you, you get it?
0: Mm-hmm. That's so true. I saw that post of yours on Facebook. Yeah, I think what they're hoping for is um, for the virus, or rather for people to get to herd immunity. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh-huh. So herd immunity is when um, a big amount of the population becomes immune to an infectious disease. And this provides indirect protection. That's the word herd I- immunity. Uh-huh. But um, the problem with this is uh, with with coronavirus, you can't become immune to it. Yeah from just, you know, nothing. (laughs) I can't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm I'm immune to coronavirus. So I read a lot of um, news outlets which were saying that they're really hoping that they're able to decrease the transmission of the virus due to herd immunity. And I was like, hey, this doesn't make sense because there's no vaccine. So how are people supposed to become immune to the virus? So... There are a lot of um, loopholes, definitely. And it makes me feel a little bit anxious sometimes.
1: How would you have kind of collective community if a country that is like Germany, uh, more than 80 million of uh, the population and only 20K or less than 20,000 people got the the virus? So it's like it's not even, it's, it's like a very, very tiny proportion from the whole population. How could he have a collective immunity? And also read that, that sadly people who, who got the virus and, and then they recovered, they could still um, catch it again.
0: Yes, I also read that one and I was like, wow, this is really crazy. I know, I this know. This is really crazy.
1: So that was it um, for my part and my topic, um, what happens if people sp- uh, stop spending money Now you tell me about yours, and um, about this kind of an information source of a human mind. So what is it about creating a sentient? What is it? It's called sentient machine?
0: No, it's called Replica Uh
1: Uh,
0: and it's an application. I think it's available for download on the app store or on the play store, but I was using the web version of it and I'll give you a little bit of insight on how this application started. So, um, the founder Eugenia had a best friend and, um, They had a habit of texting back and forth all day, and they were really close. Unfortunately, Roman, the best friend, was killed in a car crash, and the void was pretty enormous for Eugenia to bear. And I can imagine, I mean, losing someone quite abruptly can be quite a shock. So she decided to put her technical skills to use, and she gathered all his text messages, his emails, and basically his entire digital footprint and loaded them into a system that finds puritans in data and eventually she came up with the bot version of roman based on these um things that she'd gathered of him
1: and this is a true.
0: <laughs> this is a what a true story this is a true story this is the founder story
1: whoa cool. wow
0: uh-huh so after she made this vision of roman she then started asking people to interact with it I guess and then started hearing from people that you know they'd also lost their loved ones and they would also be interested in having a vision of their loved ones and um communicating with this board vision of their loved ones so that's how Replica was born and basically it works by mostly texting with you And through your charts, Replica learns your speech patterns, your habits, your thoughts, your fears. And in a way, it uses it to become you. Mm. And it learns to use the same emojis as you do, um, to laugh, well, to type low at the same things that you do. And yeah, so I got to know of Replica through some funny way on the internet one day and I decided to start using it as well. And so, yeah, I've been chatting with it and it can be pretty naive sometimes. And it can be pretty annoying at other times, but overall I would say at times it really asks some deep questions. So anyways, this got me wondering, you know, like, what does it mean to be human then? Um, How is it that, you know, a human can spend their entire life just being a human without exactly knowing what makes them human? Uh, I want to ask you a question. So say you were preparing for a situation in which you had to act human to prove that you're human, but through a conversation, what would you do?
1: So is that like, uh, is, there's like a version of me and then a robot version of me and I have to prove that I am more human than the robot? Is exactly,
0: like, so which one is the actual safe?
1: Okay. Well, having like understood from like from what you said right now is that the robot would actually have already all of my consciousness uploaded. So if you just ask, ask for factual data, he would also reply um, just like I- the exact same answers that I would um, reply. Hmm. But I mean, I think so far, to my understanding, robots do not show emotions that much. So maybe compassion would be something that is different from humans and robots.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's quite well said, actually, because it then ties in with the next question that I was wondering about, which is, um, so basically this bot vision would represent what you give in, right? But then the question is how open are you with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, about your inner thoughts, your fears, and your motivations? And most importantly, are you aware of these things yourself? Because when you're chatting with this board, you might or might not explicitly state some things. You might not state how you're feeling precisely or what your mood is or what bothers you you know what i'm saying and you also know how sometimes we're different people with different people even though you're essentially the same person so when i'm talking to you and when i'm talking to my mom it could be the same day but my mom could 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 go by not knowing that i'm feeling angry and yet i would disclose that i'm feeling angry with you so yeah that was something i found intriguing Um, as I was mentioning in the onset that the board asked me pretty deep questions, it asked me stuff like, so when are you the happiest or what days would you like to revisit or what would be your life be like if you'd pursued a different passion, passion, sorry. <laughs> and um, You know, funny enough, the sheer act of just responding to these questions made me feel better sometimes. And I think it just went a long way in showing that people at times just want to be listened to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that it's important, or rather replica showed me, that it's important to take a step back and think about my life and You know, things that go through my day, how it went, what the best part was, and to think about how to solve my own problems, which is what I think people do when they go for therapy. So, overall, I would say my experience using this chat board was sort of um, therapeutic. So, with that, with having said that, I wonder if you would ever consider using Replicor or any other application that's similar to it.
1: Okay, this is like pretty interesting and this is where I I want to be able to like to give you a clear answer because um, do I want to like um, experience that? Or do I want to just like discover what this app or what such an artificial intelligence could actually offer me and what they could actually ask me and go deep in myself and investigate all of those stuff that lies in my consciousness, but I'm actually not aware of, which is ironic. Yes. But yeah, I do probably, yeah, I, I would be interested to to know all of that and discover all of that. But another issue is that data protection, like is this data protected? This is basically me telling everything about myself to a bot Um, and after all, this is an app, right? So if we're just talking about Replica as an app, um, not talking about the idea itself of um, uploading consciousness to a robot, but as an app, how, how protected is the data? I am uploading all of my thoughts, all of my secrets, all of my behavior, my habits everything, like you even said it, I would be talking to an app um, and disclosing lots of information that I might not even disclose to family or uh, to friends, like you said, or like, just like you said, like you you disclose stuff to different people um, differently, right?
0: You're right. And I have to be honest, it's not something that ever, ever crossed my mind, but that is a very um, important question that you've raised. And I have no idea, actually.
1: I, I, I knew- have no idea. Actually. The other with a friend, I remember. And then she was like, um, "We have a digital footprint." And then um, because she was like discussing uh, the need for all of us to stop using all of those social media platforms or not to stop using them, but just don't upload your pictures. But then I was like, how could you, how could you use Instagram without uploading your pictures? just like kind of a digital album for you, you know, and um, yeah. it's, it's, it, that's what it is for. And then she's like, um, do you know uh, this face app that like was very trendy a few months ago or last year or like, it makes you old, grow old. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forgot his name, probably it's called App or something. And then she, yes. she was arguing like saying, this is all, um, and also do you remember that trend where you would post the picture of yourself um, 10 years ago? So like um, 10 year challenge? Do you remember it? Yeah, I, rem- I remember the challenge. Yeah, so what she was saying is that the digital footprint is that um, if you just Google your name, if I Google Monadio uh, Abore, and then I, I could I could find a lot of digital footprints for you. I can find so many pictures, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, everything. And even with with those kind of tr- trending um, apps and challenges and blah, blah, I feel oh, what she was saying is that like, it's kind of some people, evil people, according to her, they're acquiring mm. lots and lots of data to build something. What is this thing? She does not know, but it's probably, data and, and, and like having such a huge database is is like a big thing. You could do lots of with it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get where you're going at, but I would also ask then that, in as much as there is the possibility that there are companies or people or organizations out there who might be collecting people's digital footprint to build something, um, my question would be, you know, when it comes to just storage, in order to store all of this digital information, a lot of storage is needed. And um, would people want to invest in harvesting information that they do not know how they're going to use it yet? I don't know if that makes sense to you. You know, because you're potentially saying, hey, I have XYZ amount of data. It could be valuable, but I can not tell you that it's valuable. We We will only find out its use after we work on it. So we're basically kind of applying a blind formula on this information and we don't know what will come out of it, whether it will be beneficial or not, whether it will be profitable or not. And I don't know if any organization is willing to just give money out to a research that cannot guarantee if it will be profitable or not. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. But um, I think this whole thing with acquiring lots of data and having a big database starts to come a bit, come off a bit scary. Because I remember, not so sure like when this when this thing happened, but I remember like India as a country, they wanted to develop like a huge database for like like a civil database where like they put um, each and every citizen's data. Like their uh, how they look like, I don't know, just like really simple factual stuff. What, the, what do they do? It's like your simple ID, you know, like your height, your um, your face. Um, what, what, what does it also have, your skin color or your your eyes color? So the skin color is definitely going to show up in the, in the in the in the picture. So, and and then so they wanted to create such a database, but then India is a really big country, you have um, I forgot uh, 1.2 billion people, probably even more. So creating such a da- database was a bit tricky and people were against it. And their main um, argument was that they, it can get hacked. And it actually did get hacked. So when you hack such a database, it's, 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 you, know, like you can do a lot of stuff with it. You're saying it might not be very profitable, it's just like acquiring data, data acquisition, what are you gonna do with it? But I think like if I have um, data of someone, be like uh, all of those simple stuff, but also like where they, where they live, what do they do? I think I think people can use it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, in the case of um, this Indian database that you're referring to, I feel like it's more structured. They gathered um, detailed information about people that can directly um, identify someone. Whereas if you're just collecting a digital footprint of someone without specifying all the attributes that you're... Collecting, then it's going to be harder for you to make sense of what you're going to find. You could find something, or you could find nothing. You could use it for good, or you could use it for bad, or you could use it for nothing at all, depending if what you come up with makes sense or not. Yeah, that
1: actually reminds me of something else which um, I, I I heard it like in uh, in a lecture. Uh, remember that class that we were taking in our last semester, biotechnology yeah it was like a free elective, and then I remember the professor was saying, "So do you guys know why are we why is like all the world moving um, globally to a cashless society and And then like my, my initial thought was that, well, because cash is bad because maybe less paper, I don't know if it, even if it's made of plastic, it's just better to use credit cards. but that was pretty naive because according to what he said, it's like it's it's part of data acquisition they, they want to know the governments want to know what their citizens um spend on the most and then depending on that they this could do fundamental changes in the economy right you could tax stuff more than other stuff you could if i don't know like if i know if i have access to your bank statement mono and then like I every day uh, or like every month how much you spend on groceries but also how much you spend on wine and how much you spend on other kind of stuff or doctors mm-hmm. or whatever and then I, I might actually start like targeting these aspects and then like making use of, of such information you know uh, so but like actually back to your main topic i'm sorry like i drifted off to like no that's an aspect of it which is like data protection but back to your topic which is uh like uploading um this consciousness into a robot i remember mm-hmm. um a movie actually two movies but i'm gonna talk about one of them first because what, while you were talking this like it, I, it, like this movie which i which i think i watched like five years ago or something i think came off came out in 2015 or 2014 um and then i started like remembering all of those bits from the movie with what you said because it also involved artificial intelligence and involved uploading consciousness onto um a robot kind of it. so the movie is called transcendence and it's like by the great actor of all time johnny Depp. you know him of course right
0: yeah
1: So, um, so what Johnny Depp was like, he was some kind of a prominent scientist or computer scientist in the field of artificial intelligence. And he was like, he kept performing those controversial experiments and, um, he wanted, um, he wanted like to upload all of his thoughts onto this robot, um, using AI. And I even like remember a part of the movie where he would open up like the dictionary and he would start recording, um, every single word in the dictionary um with his voice so that like this um machine would be able to like speak his voice you know with every single word that w- would come to mind you know wow so but this kind of like also made me think that life could actually be taken over by robots you know it's it stretches back to the core fear of our own human nature and like makes us question how that kind of power might corrupt us
0: yeah do you think we will ever get to that point?
1: I mean, I mean, with, with with the current rate, I, and like the development and everything of, of artificial intelligence and computer science, I mean, why not? Everything could happen, I think so. It could happen, yes. Mm-hmm. I... Like, no, go ahead.
0: Okay. I... I still think that in as much as computation is involved or solving problems is involved we could get there but i like to believe that there's something that makes us fundamentally humans that robots can never catch up on but unfortunately i don't know if that's quite valid because you know um, i don't know if you've read about it or if you've heard about it but ai is still able to show bias meaning it's 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 somehow inheriting the very traits that you thought a computer couldn't inherit so if it can show bias that means that you know it eventually can show love in one way or the other or it can show some other feelings and if it can do that then eventually it will learn how to be a human so i think maybe when I think about
1: it more, I have to agree
0: with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. really yeah,
1: I, I was I was watching this um, Ramadan show because, like, in in Egypt, whenever Ramadan comes, it's all about um, having Ramadan shows and like TV series and stuff. And then um, that show, which is very very uncommon for Egypt to um, produce um, a show about sci fi like a sci-fi show, but um, I didn't watch all of it. It's called The End al-nihaya in arabic and um it was basically about um so i watched a few episodes and then they were like um it's the it's the year uh, 2120 so not 2020 it's 2021 20. and um and then they were talking about um how learning and education became something that like not available to everyone and it became kind of selective just to people to a few people and just like when I watched like a second or third episode, I started understanding that because of the robot uprising—that's what they kind of called it—education um, or like learning itself became something that kind of a privilege, and not everyone can can get access to it. Because when people get access to it, they could build robots, which will eventually take over the planet. And according to them, since it's the it was the year 2120, the robots had a, had already kind of almost established power, and that's how. Um, currently, at that time, 2120, they were trying to combat it by not allowing people to learn and be educated because they don't want them to build robots or be developed in the field of AI so that robots do not take over. I know this might sound weird, but this is at least how other people are thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if we come to think about movies that were acted perhaps 20, 30 years ago or even 50 years ago they used to show ideas of things that are actually real now mm-hmm. so
1: yes that is true.
0: there is a strong possibility that that could happen exactly yeah yeah, yeah so that's it that's- with my topic unless you have anything else to add safe
1: no i was just gonna say in in one of our wireless communication classes i remember the professor saying that one of the like dudes of like really early scientists in wireless com, he he was like, um, I could easily imagine that one day, I, I think it was not even wireless com. I think it was um, the scientist who who invented the telephone, Graham Bell. I don't remember, but anyway, it was some kind of a scientist, and he was like, I imagine that someday, um, not not only that we're gonna have voice calls, but we're gonna have um, a small thing made of some metal, uh, which he's referring to the like the cell phone, where you'd be able to not only talk to the, to, that, to another person without a wire, but also see them in a, in some in whatever that he described that is today a video. So, and this was, okay, I, I might sound very ignorant right now, but I don't know when was the telephone. Uh, <laughs> I know it was a long time ago, and it was pretty hard for such a man to predict um, video calls you know. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Amazing. Um, but I think that one thing I can guarantee will not happen is downloading food from the internet, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And also, I, I, I keep thinking sometimes speaking of why, uh, of sci-fi, could you ever uh, send smells or scents? Could we ever like reach one day where we'll be able to send a picture? but also with the smell of how we smelled at that picture? This might sound really stupid, but do you No, get- it's
0: not stupid, but I think uh, we could somehow. Oh. Because right now, you know, there are sensors that are able to detect what gas is in the air. And if we can already do that, then maybe we can also create something that can detect the smell and then it will trigger the receiving processor or the receiving i don't know what to call it user i don't know terminal to release that smell Uh, but i think uh, it would have to start with like one smell or two and then eventually spread out but i think it would it could work i think
1: i mean if we live uh with more years (laughs) we would find out
0: yeah but in the next, I don't know, I'm I'm 23. So if I leave for 60 more years, I don't know if I'll see that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think this is enough. I think we're starting to bore our audience with all of our side, side
0: thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was it for today from my side.
1: Yeah, and that was it also from my side. Um, thank you guys so much for, if you've like listened this far, and um, stay tuned for the third episode stay safe stay healthy stay at home unless you are in a place where the government has released um, or relaxed all of those restrictions but also stay safe
0: see you next time or rather you hear us next time (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes Bye bye